You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Filato's Fantasy Corner, brought to you on Big Blue View Radio, an SB Nation platform for the best, the most ardent, and the most knowledgeable Giants fans. And we're looking to expand said knowledge into the fantasy sphere. And it's early September, so we all know what that means. It's fantasy draft season, and there is a lot to discuss. In today's episode, we're going to be reviewing the best player relative to their ADP, which means average draft position, okay, on each and every NFL team. So fantasy football is all about acquiring players at a value. Players that may be in line for an increased workload or may have a bit more opportunity in their current role that can enhance your ability to score fantasy points for your fake football team. So extracting this value during the draft process is the key, ladies and gentlemen. So finding productive players in the later rounds, players that your league mates may not be aware of, they may not even know they exist. This is a good way to help set you up for success. Like last year, Lamar Jackson was a quarterback going in the eighth round of one quarterback leagues. And I know a couple super flex leagues where he fell to the mid fourth round, which is asinine to be honest i mean he showed his ability towards the end of the 2018 season yes it didn't work out in the playoffs but the upside of a player like lamar jackson was mvp like and we all saw that and it's not just the quarterback position that this happens for i mean running backs like austin eckler last year he was drafted as the running back 29 and finished as the running back four in some formats last season dallas had michael gallup He was drafted behind Dante Moncrief last season. And Michael Gallup is a very underrated fantasy receiver. He had that meniscus injury early on. I'm sure we'll talk about Michael Gallup a little later. But down the stretch of the season, he significantly outperformed Amari Cooper. I mean, these mistakes, though, they happen. There's a lot of swings and misses at this area of the draft towards the end, the the mid to late round. Sometimes you swing on upside and just doesn't materialize. But we're going to try to find you the ones that will benefit your team. Like last season, the tight end position, it was barren, but Mark Andrews and Darren Waller both proved to be excellent late round gems and play significantly better than players like Evan Ingram, who was injured, and OJ Howard and Hunter Henry and all these tight ends that were being drafted well before them. And there are a few tight ends I like this season as well in the late range of the draft. We'll go over some of them shortly. So the ADP I'm using on this podcast, though, is found on Fantasy Pros Network with half point PPR scoring. So keep that in mind. It's going to be different on other networks where they aggregate a bunch of other different drafts to find the average number of where these players are going, especially in different formats as well, full-point PPR and standard leagues, but this is going to be a half-point PPR ADP. So let's start with the NFC West, the mighty West, the possible three-playoff team NFC West, although I think the NFC South will have something to say about that. First off, we have the Arizona Cardinals, and Christian Kirk is the pick that I selected here, even though I like a lot of players at a certain value here. But Christian Kirk's ADP right now is 118. He's going into his third season, and he has been dealing with a lot of injuries throughout his career, but now he's reportedly healthy. 
Last season, despite playing through injuries, he was targeted 99 times at 68 catches for 703 yards and three touchdowns. Cliff Kingsbury really wants to run a lot of 10 personnel, so what that means is one running back, zero tight end, four wide receivers. He's going to do that probably more than any other NFL team. And what that means for Christian Kirk is he can operate out of the slot, which is where his natural position is, especially when you have players like Andy Isabella and Larry Fitzgerald, both players on that roster that are also slot receivers, but with four wide receivers, you can roll with two slot receivers. Now, with a healthy Kirk and with DeAndre Hopkins really commanding coverage, it's going to allow Kirk to utilize his route running ability and his ability to separate in a quick manner from defensive backs in the short to intermediate parts of the game to take advantage of the defense and to lead to more PPR fantasy points for your team. So I really like Christian Kirk at 118. I think he's an absolute steal there. Other players I like on the Cardinals at their ADP is Kyler Murray. He's at 54 and a half right now. And I think Kyler Murray could be in for a true breakout type season, not of the ilk of Lamar Jackson, but he's going to be the quarterback that a lot of that is just going to be propelled into the that's that high stratosphere of fantasy quarterback. So I really like Kyler Murray where he's being drafted, especially if you can get him in the late seventh round somewhere. I know this ADP suggests is 54. But I've seen drafts where he was available in the seventh round, and I definitely would like to pull the trigger there. I also think Chase Edmonds at 159 is a solid player to draft late in drafts. Kenyon Drake was in a walking boot earlier in the offseason. He's going to be reportedly fine, but the running backs on this offense face light fronts because Cliff Kingsbury likes to spread everything out. So that means the box has to be spread out as well, and you need more defensive backs to cover the wide receivers. So you're facing five six-man boxes, very favorable for the running backs. It creates easier rushing lanes and just more big boom type of plays when you're running into a situation where there's not as many defenders. I mean, that just obviously makes sense. And Edmonds, obviously as Giants fans, we know this, proved that he was more than capable in the absence of David Johnson last year, who's now with the Texans. But now they got Kenyon Drake. They obviously love Kenyon Drake. He's going to be the starter. But if something happens to Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds could be a very valuable fantasy asset. But I'm telling you, Christian Kirk at 118, not a lot of people are drafting him. I just see his name just keeps sliding and they kind of are overlooking him. I would select Christian Kirk. He's in for a breakout season, just like I feel like Kyler Murray is as well. As for the Rams, I went with a quarterback here. And again, I am not on board with team draft a quarterback early. You wait in one quarterback leagues. Two quarterback leagues, that's different. But in one quarterback leagues, you wait. But with Jared Goff, his ADP right now, is 148 and last season his touchdown rate dipped significantly and he only ended up having 22 touchdowns although the Rams threw the ball 626 times which was tied with Jameis Winston so there's going to be some positive regression here Jared Goff is going to have more than 22 passing touchdowns especially if they throw the ball as much as they did last season. Now, there could be a transition to 12 personnel, which means two tight ends. We saw that at the end of last year. We saw Tyler Higbee really break out. I don't think this is going to necessarily hinder Robert Woods or even Cooper Cup because Cooper Cup has a designed role where he's utilized a lot in the slot, and that would mean it would need to be 11 personnel. But the thing about Cooper Cup is there's design plays in the red zone and in those high leverage, very valuable type of situations in fantasy football to where Cooper Cup can play 60% of the snaps and still significantly return value for you. And Cooper Cup is going around the, the early fifth round, which I feel like is a really good value for someone 
like Cup. But Jared Goff's in for positive regression. There's going to be more touchdowns to come, and I think he's being slept on. But again, I wouldn't draft him until really, really late in one quarterback leagues because I'm not about wasting a pick in one quarterback leagues when there's 12 starting quarterbacks that you can viably put into your roster on the free agent wire. That's just kind of stupid. So wait to draft him, but if a lot of Matthew Stafford's and the Carson Wentz's and all Matt Ryan's and they're all gone, Jared Goff is still there late in the draft. Select him. He's going to have a better season and he would make a really good quarterback too in a super flex kind of league as well. Also Cam Akers right now, he's at an ADP of 71, which is pretty low for someone who's probably going to be a starting quarterback and I get it he's a rookie and Malcolm Brown is still there and they love Malcolm Brown and they have Daryl Henderson who they drafted last year he's reportedly dealing with a soft tissue leg injury at the moment but the thing about Cam Akers is he could be one of those rookies that you select in the seventh round end of the sixth round and he just blows up because his skill set is amazing and you know what at Florida State he didn't really have an offensive line he had to make so much happen It's going to feel like home in Los Angeles because their offensive line isn't too much to write home about. So I think Cam Akers is an excellent value right now in drafts as well. So I would not hesitate to pull the trigger there either. As for the San Francisco 49ers, I went with Debo Samuel, whose ADP right now is 82. I was thinking about going with Tevin Coleman, whose ADP is 117. Raheem Mostert is ADP is at 58. That might be a little bit too rich for me because Kyle Shanahan, he loves to annoy fantasy football owners he spreads the ball out so much it's great for football because when you're a defensive coordinator you don't know how to plan against Kyle Shanahan led offense in the red zone because he just gives touchdowns to every single one of his players I mean George Kittle gets five Kendrick Bourne gets five Debo Samuel gets three and then two rushing touchdowns but I look at Samuel right now he had a breakout towards the end of the season and he ends up getting injured so now people are kind of writing him off and I understand why but the skill set of someone like Debo Samuel and I know you can get him a lot past 82 to be honest I've seen him there in a lot of different drafts skill set of someone like Debo Samuel he's going to have a role in two phases of this offense and if he can come back healthy he's going to exceed the value of wherever he's being drafted and I think 82 is not where he's going to end up on draft day. So just be cognizant of that, all right? Because last year, he ranked second in yards after catch per reception, fifth in yards per route run, and he tied for the league lead and forced missed tackles in space. Kyle Shanahan knows all this. He knows what Debo Samuel can do, and I believe there's going to be more targets and more touches for Samuel in his really unique offense. It's somebody to pay attention to late in drafts so you can get out of value because of the Jones fracture that he suffered back in June. He may miss week one. He may miss week two, but he could return early in the season and then benefit your fantasy team. But for the Seattle Seahawks, we got Tyler Lockett. Okay, now his ADP, it's in like the fourth round. It's 49 and a half according to this website and I'm not huge on banking on efficiency in terms of fantasy production but Lockett has been such an efficient receiver over the last two years 2019 caught 82 of 108 targets it's a 75.9 percent catch rate in 2018 though he caught 57 of 65 targets which is an 87.7 percent efficiency rate that is absolutely ridiculous but it's not even that that I love about Tyler Lockett it's his red zone and end zone usage. The Seahawks are a run-dominant team, yes, but when they get into the red zone, they target two players, mostly, and that's Tyler Lockett and now DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf led the league in end zone targets. Does that give me pause about Lockett? It may make me 
wonder about him a little bit, but that's why he's being selected where he is. Because Tyler Lockett was en route to be a top eight receiver last year. He was, but then he suffered that injury and he played against, I think, Arizona and got goose egged and pissed everybody off, including me. But this guy, man, he ranks seventh in the league out of the slot in yards per route run, and he plays in the slot significantly. Russell Wilson loves to find him on those underneath routes. They love to use him vertically, and he's just a really talented receiver as well. And again, I think Brian Schottenheimer is going to want to run the football with Chris Carson, who's also a good value as well. But Lockett is used in all three phases of the passing attack, short, intermediate, deep. He's effective in all those phases, and he's a big red zone target. DK Metcalf's going in front of him because he's an actual big in terms of physical. (laughs) DK Metcalf's going before him in a lot of drafts and I like DK Metcalf a lot but I think people are sleeping on Lockett as well so that's something that we should all keep in mind DK Metcalf right now he's a pretty good value as well at 54 so Lockett in terms of fantasy pros is going a little bit ahead of him I've seen it flipped and I wouldn't hesitate to take Lockett there the end of the fourth round I think that's a good pick moving on to the NFC North for the Chicago Bears we have Anthony Miller whose ADP is 158 and that's just absolutely silly because Miller saw significant target and usage from week 11 through the end of the season. I mean, he averaged around eight targets per game during that time. And now Taylor Gabriel, who suffered a little bit of injuries last year, he's out of town. And you have Allen Robinson, who's a clear-cut number one. Hopefully, for Miller, Nick Foles ends up starting because Nick Foles loves to target the slot and Anthony Miller loves to run out of the slot. That's where he's best utilized by the Chicago Bears. Now, Mitch Trubisky doesn't really move the needle for a lot of us in terms of fantasy football, but Miller, I mean, he ranked third in targets and fifth in yards per route run at the end of the season last year out of the slot. So if Foles, somebody who has a proclivity to target the slot, wins that starting job, which is realistic because Mitch Trubisky is his competition, I think he's going to target Miller significantly and even if he doesn't if Trubisky ends up starting Miller's still going to see a huge increase in usage throughout the entirety of the season and he's being had in the double digit rounds a lot of the times and I think that's just unfair for someone of Anthony Miller's skill set somebody who's been playing through a shoulder injury the last two seasons I think we're going to see how good he really is this year so please double digit rounds you see him there even eighth ninth round in some cases depending on who's on the board and depending on how many players are in your league Pull the trigger on Anthony Miller. He's incredibly skilled. Also, Tariq Cohen, I wanted to mention him as well because his ADP is 108 in half-point PPR leagues. John Filippo is on the coaching staff now. He was the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars last season, and he threw the football to Leonard Fournette so many times. Now he's the quarterback's coach, and I believe that Tariq Cohen, who is one of the only healthy running backs there because David Montgomery is going to start by probably missing the first two games. And they have Cordero Patterson, who's been a running back for the Patriots before, used there. I still think Tariq Cohen, he's not going to ever see 20 carries a game. That's not his skill set, but he's going to see eight targets. He's going to catch probably a lot of them, and he can make some people miss in space. He's going to still receive work as a running back, too. He'll still get his carries, possibly utilize in the red zone a little bit more because David Montgomery was so inefficient there. So I think at 108, he's worth... He's worth a look, I guess you could say, for sure. Hopefully, he gets those red zone work. We're not sure what's going on with David Montgomery at this time. He's probably going to miss the first couple games, and he's sliding down boards to the point where he might be a value. I'm just not sure that the Bears are as interested, but they haven't went out and signed Devonta Freeman. 
they didn't go out and get Leonard Fournette. The Buccaneers did. So there's some things you want to read into like that. But Tariq Cohen at 108 is also a good value. But it's all about Anthony Miller in terms of this specific team if I had to pick a real huge value. As for the Detroit Lions, tight end TJ Hawkinson. His ADP right now is 144. And his best week was week one against the Cardinals last year where he had a six-catch, 131-yard, one-touchdown game. My pause with Hawkinson, I believe in the skill set. I think he can really thrive with Matt Stafford, who loves to air it out, and the Lions really wanted to throw it downfield to Hawkinson as well last season until he ended up getting injured. But it doesn't seem like he's 100% back from that injury. And there are other tight ends that I think I like a little bit more than Hawkinson because of that. But I think Hawkinson could be in for a breakout just because he's uber talented. It's just right now, it gives you pause because you're not 100% sure how healthy he is because that ankle injury last year was really, really bad. But last season, he ranked 7th in ADOT with Matt Stafford, which is average depth of target. So they wanted to throw it downfield because he's an athletic guy. He can block out of Iowa like all of those tight ends can, but he's an athletic guy. So keep that in mind, too, with TJ Hawkinson. That's for the Green Bay Packers. I went with the running back A.J. Dillon, whose ADP is 172.5, according to Fantasy Pros. And again, the Packers, man, they shifted to this run-oriented mindset under Matt LaFleur. And they spent a second-round pick on a six-foot-one, 247-pound back that is very reminiscent of a guy by the name of Derrick Henry. Uh, Matt LaFleur used to be the offensive coordinator for Derrick Henry during his breakout season. Now, I think Aaron Jones is going to have a huge role. He'll be the de facto number one running back still. But I think A.J. Dillon's going to be mixed in. A.J. Dillon's going to be utilized on these short yardage and even goal line, which are huge situations in fantasy football, obviously, because that's where the money is made. I think he's going to be used in those situations. I think it really takes away from Aaron Jones. And I'm probably not going to draft A.J. Dillon too much in, say, a 10-team half-point PPR league. But he's somebody to monitor on the free agent wire, somebody who could benefit if something happens to Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones has suffered a lot of little knick-knack kind of injuries in the past. And I know there's a lot of buzz around some of the other receivers, like Equinemius St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But we saw what the Packers want to do. They want to run the football. And A.J. Dillon has muscles on his muscles, and I think those muscles also have muscles. So I think he's at a value in terms of deep bench leagues, but I probably wouldn't be drafting him in a 10-team, maybe even a 12-team regular just setup kind of league. But if something does happen to Aaron Jones, he's in for a workload, as is Alexander Madison for the Minnesota Vikings, whose ADP is 130. Now, he stands to thrive if something were to ever happen to Dalvin Cook, and Dalvin Cook threatened to hold out this season. Doesn't seem like he is. He's betting on himself. I respect that, but Dalvin Cook hasn't finished his season. He's always coming down with some sort of injury. And the Vikings, they consider themselves this 2020 championship contender. I'm not sure if they're going to want to run Dalvin Cook into the ground this year. And I think Madison, he's not, he doesn't really have much standalone fantasy value, but if something happens to Cook, you can get Alexander Madison as that insurance policy for Cook. Or if you want to take said insurance policy away from someone that drafted Cook, it's a move, it's a fantasy move that you can make, and hopefully it works out for you. You never want to wish for an injury, but it's definitely something that is a strategy people will employ against opponents in their league. You don't have to have Dalvin Cook to draft someone like Alexander Madison, but if something were to happen to Cook, then you may have a top 10 running back in Alexander Madison. Now, these are just risks you have to weigh depending on how comfortable you are with your fantasy squad. If you're very comfortable with your starters, you can take these kind of risks on your bench if you are not 
then maybe you want to go with someone who's a little bit more of a sure thing and is guaranteed opportunity and touches, whereas Alexander Madison is going to be the second fiddle to Dalvin Cook no matter what. And that brings me to the NFC East. We all know who resides in the NFC East, but we're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys. And I mentioned him earlier on in this podcast, and that's Michael Gallup, whose ADP is 75th. Now, this is a little ridiculous to me because there are a lot of receiving options right now for Dallas, obviously, right? And Amari Cooper, who is a very talented receiver, somebody who was dealing with injuries down the stretch last year. They also drafted CeeDee Lamb, who's incredibly talented. They have Blake Jarwin, who's in for a breakout season, supposedly. But then you have Michael Gallup at 75. And I don't think people realize that Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper finished pretty similarly. And actually, down the stretch of this season, Michael Gallup was significantly better than Cooper. Again, Cooper was reportedly dealing with an injury. But you can get Michael Gallup about 50 picks after Amari Cooper on some platforms, which is ridiculous to me, to be honest. Like, I probably won't come away with any Amari Cooper, to be honest. I think he's just being overdrafted. But on the format that I'm using... Gallup's going 43 picks later. Cooper stats were a little better last year, yes, but Gallup on the season ranked fifth in yards per route run and fourth in yards after the catch per reception. I think his 21.7% target share will likely come down a little bit, but I still think it's an attainable goal for him to get 90 targets or more. Now, last year he had, I think, 113. So I think it might come down a little bit with the addition of C.D. Lamb, but Michael Gallup's an underrated player. And he's going at a portion of the draft where I think he's still in the fourth tier, probably high fourth tier of wide receivers. Somebody who can be productive for you if you can get him to be your number three wide receiver in a three receiver league. That's pretty exciting. And I would love that. And I would much rather have that than draft Amari Cooper 43 picks before. And Blake Jarwin is also a player to pay attention to. He's at ADP 167. He's enticing because Dak Prescott... Loves to throw the ball to the tight end position. They want to throw it down the field to the tight end position. They really couldn't with Jason Witten last year, but Jarwin, as the second tight end, had an eight out of over 10 yards on 43 targets. So I think with the offense being so talented with all of these receiving options, a defense is going to be put into some tough spots covering all three of those receivers. And then you have Jarwin, who's an athletic tight end, operating in the middle of the field, getting targets there, and possibly breaking off a big one because he is an athletic tight end. I think that could really pay off if you want to wait to get tight ends. Guys like him and Hayden Hurst and a couple other tight ends are very valuable in the latter parts of the draft. So don't forget the name Blake Jarwin either. Okay, on to the New York Giants. I went with Darius Slayton. His ADP is 112, according to Fantasy Pros. And I think the Giants are really interesting in terms of fantasy football because their defense isn't that great, and they might be in a lot of shootout-type games or games that are going to be competitive through the fourth quarter, which are going to result in more Danny Dimes throwing dimes into the fourth quarter, which means more fantasy opportunity throughout the entirety of the game. I think Evan Ingram's value at an ADP of 80 is also really good as well. But Slayton has earned the trust of Daniel Jones, especially in man coverage. Jones targeted him significantly last season and his a dot was over 14 yards he had eight touchdowns i think with jason garrett coming in implementing a more vertical based offense it could benefit someone like slayton especially with a healthy evan ingram and i know targets will probably come away from slayton a little bit because of evan ingram but defenses are going to have to pay attention to evan ingram and defenses are going to have to pay attention to the rushing attack which means more one-on-one for darius slayton which means more daniel jones throwing 
in man coverage to Darius Slayton and trusting him, which is going to result in more opportunity for Slayton. Now, Slayton, in a three-receiver league, I would ideally kind of want him to be my fourth receiver, but I think you could do worse if he is your third receiver, depending on if you ended up going big on running back early or spending up on someone like George Kittle or Travis Kelsey or even a Pat Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, depending on how you construct your roster. But Slayton had 80 targets last year. I'm not sure how much of that is going to go up with more Evan Ingram. And you still have Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard. There's kind of a lot of mouths to feed. But I still think Slayton is going to be in for a bigger season than where he's being drafted. I think he's efficient. I think he's really good at the catch point. I think he's a good route runner. His release off the line of scrimmage definitely improved last season. And I'm excited about him. And he's being had in the triple digits. 112 right now at ADP. So my one thing with him, and one reason why it gives me a little pause this early on in the season, is the Giants start the year by playing the Steelers, the Bears, the 49ers, and the Rams. So Slayton could be off to a rough start. That's one reason why I don't want to start him in three receiver leagues right off the bat. But people might drop Darius Slayton after week three because he might not be getting a lot of fantasy points for their squad. But look at the schedule after the Rams game. We have Dallas. They just lost Byron Jones. Who, who, who exactly do they have that scares you in the secondary? They have the Washington football team. Same goes there. They have the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, they have Darius Slay, so we'll have some Slayton Slay. I think that's going to be good. That's going to be fun. Then they have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Washington football team, the Philadelphia Eagles again, and then the Cincinnati Bengals. So there's a lot of juicy fantasy matchups in that portion of the schedule. I think it's going to also benefit Daniel Jones, too. On to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm up with Boston Scott here, and I think there's a lot of good value here, actually, to be honest, with the Eagles, because there's some injuries there. Jalen Rager went down with an injury, and we've seen Carson Wentz deal with a little bit of injuries. I think he's going to be okay. Miles Sanders came down with an injury, but Boston Scott's being drafted at around 168. And last season... Down the stretch of the year, Boston Scott was actually being used significantly, even with Miles Sanders, and he's kind of become this Darren Sproles, Austin Eckler type of, will be utilized on third down, but sometimes we'll get goal line work as well, and Doug Peterson wants to just kind of, seems like he wants to scheme plays for Boston Scott specifically. We saw it against the Giants, which was so frustrating on those little slip screens where Boston Scott would break off like a 30-yard run. It's very, very very, very frustrating. But in the last four weeks of the season last year, he was targeted 25 times and he was being utilized again with Miles Sanders out there. He ranked second last year among running backs in yards per route run. And I think that's something that you can't really just overlook. He sees a lot of snaps on third down situations. So I think he's definitely somebody you can get if you go zero RB a little bit later, especially in full point PPR leagues where his ADP won't be as good. But I still like Boston Scott, but I also like Alshon Jeffrey at ADP 121. I think Deshaun Jackson's ADP at 162 and a half, according to Fantasy Pros, is excellent. And that's something that you should jump all over 10 times out of 10 because that team is just decimated by injuries. They're going to have to throw the football. Deshaun Jackson is still a viable deep threat, especially if he's healthy. So he's somebody else to pay attention to. Dallas Goddard at 157 is somebody that you could consider as well, but I like a lot of other tight ends. But I just think there's a lot of value late in drafts for the Philadelphia Eagles offense. And Doug Peterson traditionally likes to use two running backs a lot of the time. So I don't think Miles Sanders is going to come in here and have a three-down, shut-your-face kind of role. I think Boston Scott will be sprinkled in. As for the Washington football team, 
I went with Antonio Gibson, who is a rookie out of Memphis, a wide receiver slash running back, but he's drafted as a running back. His ADP is 168. He's more of a Swiss Army knife, uber-efficient player at Memphis. He had 77 touches his last season, and he turned 14 of them into touchdowns, which is asinine. Now, you look at the Washington football team, they have Adrian Peterson, and they have Bryce Love, who's still kind of recovering from an injury. I mean, he's healthy, but he hasn't been on the NFL field post his ACL injury that he suffered in his last season at Stanford. So I look at Gibson, somebody who's going to have a third down role probably early on. He's already running with the first teams. I think Ron Rivera is going to give Adrian Peterson a lot of leeway to do his thing, but I think by midseason, Gibson's going to be somebody that you really want to pay attention to, somebody who's going to earn the right to touch the football because he's that electrifying when he has the ball in his hands. He's being drafted very, very late. Pay attention to Antonio Gibson. Now on to the NFC South. I'm going to try to run through this. I know we're being a little long-winded here. Atlanta Falcons, Hayden Hurst for me. No questions asked. His ADP right now is 119.5. He's not being drafted in a lot of different leagues. The Falcons, Dirk Cutter, who's their offensive coordinator, are pass happy and they love to target the tight end. Matt Ryan has always loved to target the tight end position. And Austin Hooper signed a big contract with the Cleveland Browns. So he's taken his 97 targets, his 75 receptions, his 787 yards, and his six touchdowns away from the Falcons. And I think that will be spread out a little bit with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, two players that I love in fantasy. But Hayden Hurst, former first round pick, let's not forget the Ravens drafted him in 2018 before Lamar Jackson. That actually happened in the first round. And they traded up and back into the first round to get Lamar Jackson. He lost his job to Mark Andrews, who they drafted in that same year out of the third round, out of Oklahoma, I should say, in the third round. Hurst lost that tight end battle. Says a lot about Hurst, right? Maybe not. Just didn't work out with Baltimore. But Cutter and the Falcons and Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov saw something in Hurst. They went out and they spent a second round pick and a fifth round pick to bring Hurst into Baltimore. They have high hopes for him. They need this pick to succeed. And there is so much opportunity and everyone is overlooking this guy. I think he's an absolute steal in fantasy drafts. If you don't go Kelsey and Kittle, you can get this guy in round nine, round 10 and be completely happy. Tyler Higby of the Rams and other tight ends going around that range too. I think that's another solid pick. So don't fret, man, when it comes to Hayden Hurst. I think he's definitely somebody who's being well overlooked. Falcons spent the capital to get him. They're going to give him the opportunity. If he stays healthy, he's going to be good, especially relative to the value where you're taking him. Carolina Panthers, I'm not really thrilled with a lot of the Panthers, to be honest. If it's not DJ Moore and not Christian McCaffrey, two players I value incredibly, I don't really love it. But I went with Teddy Bridgewater here. Now, this is only for super flex. He's going as a quarterback 25 right now. His ADP is 160. And I'm not drafting him in a one-quarterback league. I don't really want to touch on this too much more. But... I think with Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator, there's going to be a lot of dump-offs. Christian McCaffrey, who's an excellent player. I think DJ Moore is going to be a huge focus of the offense yet again. Joe Brady, for those of you who do not know, he was the LSU offensive coordinator last year with Joe Burrow. I think Teddy Bridgewater proved himself well last year with the Saints, even though it was in a much more conservative fashion. So this is only super flex league kind of stuff. I would not draft Teddy Bridgewater in a one-quarterback league. As for the New Orleans Saints is Latavius Murray. Now, Latavius Murray is being picked at 128. Alvin Kamara just got an epidural in his back. He's always kind of had this back stiffness. I'm don't, not too worried about it. I'd still take Kamara probably fourth overall. But the whole contract situation that reared its ugly head 
this earlier this week, which is kind of ridiculous because it was just happening so quickly. It was like, oh, the Saints might trade Alvin Kamara. I don't think any of that's going to happen. But I still still think Murray is a player that will have a lot of upside if something were to happen to Kamara. His upside is a little bit capped with Kamara there. He's going to be relegated to more of a goal line work. But last year, when he saw 30 carries in games, which happened, he was excellent. He was excellent. I don't expect that to be the norm. I love their offensive line. I think he's at a value, Latavius Murray. But you could probably get other players around that area that are going to have more boom potential than someone like Murray. And then we have the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, Tampa Bay, interesting. I have Ronald Jones here because... I loved Ronald Jones before the Leonard Fournette signing, but now that they signed Leonard Fournette, he's just going to slide. He's going to slide significantly, and I still think the steady drumbeat is going to be somewhat real. I don't think Leonard Fournette is going to... It, it makes it obviously makes it so much more complicated, and the ADP of 93, I would slide Ronald Jones down significantly from that, but I still think by midseason, it's going to be Ronald Jones' job to lose. I think it's going to be a headache. It's not something that I'm going to actively try to draft right now like I was before but I still think that he's going to be solid for where you may be taking him because he's going to be sitting at the top of your NFL drafts whatever format you're on for so long because nobody's going to want to draft him because of the presence of Leonard Fournette which makes sense but if he slides and he continues to slide I'd probably take a kick at the can but it doesn't tickle my fancy as much as it used to to be honest and before we get to the AFC let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. On to the AFC, and we're going to start with Noah Fant of the Denver Broncos in the AFC West. His ADP is 119 and a half right now. Now, we know Pat Shermer didn't get the most out of Evan Ingram, although he was dealing with a lot of different injuries, but I think Fant's in for that second year breakout season coming up. Now, you can mirror him in former Iowa Hawkeye. George Kittle's rookie seasons, and they're eerily similar. And that doesn't necessarily mean that Fant's going to break out, but look at the athletic upside of Noah Fant. Look at all the other weapons, which means there are more mouths to feed, so there's a pro and a con there in that offense. And I'm not sure how defenses are going to be able to cover someone like Fant now. Fant had a strong finish to his rookie season. That's true. But rookies typically struggle at the tight end position Evan Ingram had a really good breakout year his rookie season but that doesn't happen for everybody okay and that was also not under Pat Shermer I'm not trying to make that correlation at all but Fant being drafted at 119 is a high upside tight end selection that you can make that can pay off significantly if he reaches anywhere close to his potential because his potential is incredibly high he could be a top five tight end next year if he breaks out this season. And that's well within the realm of his possibility because the talent is there. It's just, will he get the opportunity? Because you can give this guy a drag route and he could do what Evan Ingram did against Tampa Bay in his Pat Shermer offense. Now, I don't know if Shermer's going to use Fant like he used Ingram in the blocking as much because Ingram was used there quite often. 
so we're not 100% sure, and that's why I kind of like some of the other tight ends because I feel like the opportunity is a little bit more clear for them, but I still think Fant could be a player that you could just take a swing on late in drafts, and he could significantly pay off for you. On to the Kansas City Chiefs, we have Nicole Hardman, wide receiver. His ADP is 147.5. If something happens to Tyreek Hill, then Mikko Hardman could be in for an explosion in his second year in the NFL. Now, this is one player that actually might be faster than Tyreek Hill. Now, my thing with Mikko Hardman is with a healthy Hill there, I'm not sure how he's going to get to 60% snap share. I mean, last year he had 30%, and he boomed on a lot of games, but he's relying on low target totals and taking those target totals to the house it's something that he can do because he can take a slant to the house and last year when Andy Reid used him in the slot he ranked second in yards per route run from that position granted his routes weren't as abundant as a lot of the other players because he didn't have as much opportunity but everybody loves Kansas City Chiefs players right now they're going after them like crazy Pat Mahomes Travis Kelsey Tyreek Hill Clyde Edwards-Alaire. They're all being drafted very high. And I think Miko Hardman could be in for a second-year breakout if he gets the snaps. And it's all about that. Does Andy Reid want to use him and Hill together? That's kind of a projection at the moment because you still have the presence of Sammy Watkins. But I like banking it on the upside. And maybe if Hill's lingering hamstring issue that he suffered in training camp, if that goes into the season, that could really ascend someone like Hardman. As for the Las Vegas Raiders, I went with wide receiver, rookie wide receiver, Brian Edwards, not Henry Ruggs. Brian Edwards, whose ADP is at 199. You can get him late at the end of basically every draft. Tyrell Williams is now on the IR, and he was the starting veteran receiver on the outside. And I think Henry Ruggs is going to be using the slot. He's going to be used as a Z receiver. They're going to move him around a lot. And I like Henry Ruggs, but I think Brian Edwards is going to be in for a bit more opportunity. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Brian Edwards, someone who's probably going to start week one. Now, Derek Carr's skill set doesn't exactly mesh with Henry Ruggs. I think they're going to find ways to make it work. But I like Edwards. You can get him last, and then you can monitor how he's utilized in week one. And then if it's not what you want out of a fantasy wide receiver, then you can cut him, and you don't have to start him. So you can just monitor it early on to see how he does. And that's kind of a big thing I do like about Edwards. I think in PPR leagues, he's going to be a solid option with a lower ADOT than someone like Henry Ruggs, and that lower ADOT definitely works to Derek Carr's skill set. So that's why we went there. As for the Los Angeles Chargers, I went with running back Josh Kelly, who can also be had incredibly late in drafts. 234. This is ADP according to Fantasy Pros, but I believe in his skill set. Austin Eckler is going to be a stud, but he's not going to receive all the carries. Melvin Gordon and his 184 touches are now gone, and it's going to be split between Justin Jackson, whose ADP is 181, and Josh Kelly, whose ADP is 234. And I like Jackson as well, but Kelly's ADP is a little bit softer, and I did like him a lot coming out of college as well. So I think that's my reasoning there. The thing about Josh Kelly is it might not materialize until mid-season, and maybe it would take an Austin Eckler injury to really propel him. So you could probably draft this guy, and then you're just going to end up cutting him when he doesn't do anything for you in week one, and he just goes to the free agent wire, which is unfortunate. And that goes for a lot of these guys, because you need booms really early on, and some of them aren't going to happen until later. Miles Sanders was cut how many times last year, and he ended up winning so many people fantasy championships. It's kind of how these things go sometimes. But I think if the cards fall in the right direction for someone like Kelly, 
could really benefit him because I believe in the skill set and we know the Chargers want to run the football. They, we know the Chargers, at least with Phillip Rivers, love to target the running back position. It's still a projection issue. If Tyrod Taylor would do that same thing. I also think Keenan Allen at ADP 51 is pretty good value as well. I've seen him around in the late fifth round and a lot of people are like, well, Phillip Rivers isn't there anymore. So they're just kind of overlooking Allen's ability. And I agree with that to a certain extent, but that's why he's already at a value at around 51 and even going after that as well. The Mike Williams injury is going to result in more targets for someone like Keenan Allen as well. So I think that that's a another player that you should keep in mind for a pretty valuable ADP relative to how good they are and what their skill sets actually are. So let's move to the AFC North. And for the Baltimore Ravens, went with Marquise Hollywood Brown. His ADP right now is 78.5. Now, two big issues with Brown are targets and injuries because he doesn't see as many targets because it's a run-dominant team. But he has pure breakaway speed. He had 65 receptions last year. 584 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. Six of them came out of the slot, and they started lining him up in the slot throughout the season a little bit more because he was just taking advantage of mismatches, and there's much more space coming out of the slot. doesn't relegate you to running inside if you're going to break in, and it gives you the opportunity to break out (laughs) because there's no sideline mitigating that opportunity. But last year, he ranked seventh in fantasy points per snap for a wide receiver, dealt with injuries the entire year. And he's a home run threat, has huge breakout potential, and he's available a lot in like the seventh round. He's a very good value right now. Last season, he played around 60% of the snaps. But with this improved health, another year in the system, I think that could increase. So you just want him to get a little bit more targets. And that's something that is plausible for someone like Brown. So I like it. Again, it's not a huge opportunity kind of pick. It's more of a boom pick. I wouldn't say it's a bus pick, but he's one of those players that can catch three passes for 130 yards and have two touchdowns on it. Now, I don't usually rely on those types of players, but that's another reason why he's being had later in fantasy drafts and not being drafted in the, say, fourth round or something like that. I also like J.K. Dobbins, who's being picked around 98 and a half. Now, he was a dual threat at Ohio State, much more of a runner than a receiver, but they did utilize him. I think he had 28 catches his last season at Ohio State, and John Harbaugh came out and said that he's going to have an early season role, and Mark Ingram is not getting any younger. If something does happen to Ingram, Dobbins is going to be inserted as that primary back with Gus Edwards also probably taking some carries, and I think a lot of people are kind of seeing that, and I think down the stretch of the season, J.K. might end up being a much more valuable fantasy asset than people are giving him credit for at the moment. So if you can get him in those triple-digit rounds, which I have seen, then I think that's also a a wise investment. But you might have to be patient with him. So again, it depends on your roster construction, how you drafted and how comfortable you are with your starting players. A lot of that depends on that. There's a lot of context that goes into drafting these later-round players on how you want to build your team before drafting these kind of players. Now, if you take a lot of risks early, you might not be as comfortable as drafting somebody who may not pay off right away or somebody who is a little bit more risky, if that makes any sense. As for the Bengals, I went with Tyler Boyd here. Now, I like A.J. Green a lot, but we haven't seen A.J. Green do this in so long. And Boyd is a much more safer pick, so kind of like what I was just talking about. If you want to go with a more safer pick, go with someone like Boyd. But A.J. Green is a much more boom type of pick because he's a top five receiver when healthy but now he's 32 years old not getting any younger hasn't been healthy in three seasons if you include this season i mean he had the hamstring injury already but seems like he might be ready to go for week one but the thing i like about tyler boyd is joe burrow is his quarterback now joe burrow loved to target the slot position at lsu 
Just ask Justin Jefferson, who was just drafted in the first round because of it. Now, Tyler Boyd runs most of his routes out of the slot. The vast majority of his routes out of the slot. And he had 142 targets last year. That's going to come down. It is. But he was 7th in the NFL in yards per route run last season, despite having a sub-10-yard A dot. So he's very proficient in the short-to-intermediate parts of the field. And he's better in, obviously, PPR, half PPR type of leagues because he gets that volume. Now, that volume is going to come down a little bit. I'm expecting around 120 targets around that this season. And I think at the ADP of 78, that works. And I know he's going around Hollywood Brown, player that we just went over, and I would take Brown over Boyd personally. But if you want that safe, that, that safe floor, maybe not as high of a ceiling, then you go with someone like Boyd. As for the Cleveland Browns, for me, this is Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt had that long suspension last year, rejoined the team in week 10, but from that point on, he was a running back 24, which is a running back 2 in points per game. And Nick Chubb, in that same time frame, was a running back 23. Obviously, there's barely a difference there. But the funny thing about all this is Chubb's being drafted as a running back 8 and Hunt's being drafted as a running back 29. And I think Hunt is going to be used in the passing game a lot more than Chubb, and he's also going to get early down work, some goal line work even. And Chubb's going to dominate that. Chubb's definitely the better option, but there's a big disparity here that I don't really agree with. Now, the thing with Chubb is he was very injury prone at the University of Georgia. This is a big knock. Now, if that rears his ugly head, Hunt propels himself up to be a top five running back. No questions asked. It's a very volatile position, and tragedies happen. But Kareem Hunt... You can get him round 7, round 8 I've seen. People just do not want to select him, but they love to select Chubb. Doesn't necessarily make sense to me. And I like Chubb better than Hunt, but with the value, I think I'm going to take Hunt on that one. Especially with the passing game value. So, I just if he's sitting there and you don't like any of the other running back options, you select Hunt. He has standalone value and he has a possibility of being a top 5 running back if something were to happen to Chubb. That's a, that's a risk I'm willing to bank on. As for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'll go with Deontay Johnson, whose ADP is 112. From week 14 to the end of the season, Johnson was the 12th best wide receiver. And that was with a guy named Duck throwing him the football and freaking Mason Rudolph. So now he gets Big Ben back. This is his second year. I expect a slight second year leap from Deontay Johnson. Now the presence of Chase Claypool, Eric Ebron, and Juju Smith-Schuster give me a little bit of pause, but that's why you're getting him at this ADP of 112. Not a lot of people are tracking on him. And you can get him and possibly plug him in as your fourth receiver, a flex maybe in a three-wide receiver league. Nobody really knows who he is, but I think he's in for a really good season if Big Ben can still air the ball out. So Deontay Johnson, remember that name as well. The AFC East, running back Zach Moss, ADP 135.5. Look, Devin Singletary struggled with fumbles last year. And he was injured, and you know what? They like Singletary, but they still went out and they drafted Zach Moss. Former Utah Ute, baby. And... I think Moss is going to be used in the passing attack. I really do, man. And he's a physical runner. Last year, he was 10th in yards after contact per attempt, and he had the second most broken tackles in the entirety of the FBS. If this is a 60-40 split towards Singletary, and you can get Moss 135.5 ADP, I mean, I'm taking that value any day of the week. Easily. I'll take that 40% split. And that's if Singletary comes out and coughs the ball up a couple times. I think Moss steals that job, and you're getting him basically for free. You're getting him cheap. He's going. People are starting to track on it a little bit more, 
But I'm telling you, Zach Moss is somebody to pay attention to once you start getting to the double-digit rounds, maybe round 8 or even 9 in those 12-14 team leagues where he's going to be drafted much higher. But there's not Leonard Fournette did not go there. They have Devin Singletary, somebody who was injured last year, somebody who puts the ball on the ground, and they go out and they draft Moss. Singletary's ADP is what fifty nine right now. You can get Moss at one thirty five. I think it's going to be higher. I think it's going to be not as fruitful as that, to be honest. I think he'll be probably be selected around early one hundreds. But still, I'll take Moss in that situation. The Miami Dolphins, Preston Williams, whose ADP is one fifty five and a half. Last year, I think it was week nine, he tore his ACL, and it was very unfortunate. I mean, he was a UDFA out of Colorado State, but when he was on the field with Devontae Parker. He was commanding so many targets from Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. He had a 35.7% target share in the red zone, which is eye-opening. And when the quarterback was under pressure, he had a 20% target share. So he knows how to get open. And you can get this guy so cheap. Now, he's not going at 155. He's going before that, but he's still somebody who people kind of are forgetting about because he was hurt midseason. Then Devontae Parker blew up towards the end of the year. This is one reason why Parker is sliding that because he's missing some training camp practices and Williams is ready to go. So I think Williams is a good value in this draft. Again, I don't think he's going to be available at 155, but he's definitely somebody that you can probably get a little bit before that that can definitely help your team on a Miami Dolphins football team that is going to be struggling, is probably going to have to throw the football a lot. So definitely like Preston Williams there. As for the Patriots, I got Cam Newton, ADP 203 according to Fantasy Pros. He's going to go before that, but I can't see Jarrett Stidham starting with Cam Newton on the bench. Josh McDaniel's going to find a way to get him out there. And what we remember from Cam Newton is not great when it comes to the last time we saw him, but his shoulder looks great in terms of the way he's throwing the football at camp from all the highlights and everything we see. Seems like he has that great velocity back. He's still 245-pound linebacker back there playing quarterback, but I don't know how much he'll be running, but I think he'll be used in the red zone as a running back. I don't know if he's going to be using or running a lot in between the 20s, at least designed by Belichick, but he's definitely going to be used in that money zone, in that red zone. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on Cam Newton. I mean, he was a former MVP. He's only 31 years old at the moment, and I think he's a great option to add in super flex leagues. As for the Jets, we got Jamison Crowder. Just all he does is get targets. In half point and full point PPR leagues, Crowder's floor is so, so high. And right now he's being drafted as the wide receiver 45. And that doesn't really make sense to me at all. He had 122 targets, which is the most he ever had. I think he's going to surpass that this season. Everybody on that team is hurt. Chris Herndon, I think, just returned to practice. Good for him. I like him as a sleeper tight end. But Denzel Mims, Brashard Perriman, Vincent Smith, their other three receivers, all injured. Jameson Crowder lines up in the slot. He was a safety blanket for Sam Darnold. I don't know who else Sam Darnold's going to throw the football to. But uh, Jameson Crowder at ADP 129 and a half. I mean, I love that value right there. And everyone always sleeps on him because it's not a sexy pick. It's not a boom pick, but it's a high floor pick and it's a safe pick. And in PPR leagues, that's excellent. On to the AFC South. So the AFC South, Houston Texans, wide receiver Wolf Fuller, ADP 88. Now DeAndre Hopkins and his 146 targets went to Arizona. And Bill O'Brien brought back David Johnson, whose ADP is 51, who I actually kind of like as well, just because I think the general manager, who is also the head coach, is going to want that general manager move to work out. So he's going to give David Johnson a lot of opportunity. But that's not the hero there. Right now, it's Will Fuller. Supposedly, he's put some weight on. He's trying to really focus on his diet and his training regimen because he's just been injured. But when healthy, he's shown 
that he's been able to have a lot of rapport, a lot of success with Deshaun Watson. There's a ton of targets to go around right now. Now, Brandon Cooks is that ADP 99. I think that's actually a value as well. But Will Fuller is somebody that I'm willing to roll the dice on in round eight, around that time frame, and he could be in for a huge boom type of year. There's so many, there's so much opportunity to be had. He has obviously the breakaway speed. I don't think he's just a one-trick pony. I think he's a better wide receiver than that. So hopefully he can stay healthy this year. As for the Indianapolis Colts, I have running back Jonathan Taylor, ADP 40. The Colts didn't spend a second round pick on Taylor for nothing. Okay, and I don't think he's just going to get 10 carries a game. I think they're going to use him in the passing attack. I think they'll use him on the ground near the goal line. I think Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines will be a bit annoying this year, but I do think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a player who next season you're picking in the top 10. He's, he's so talented, okay? He was so talented at Wisconsin last year, and Phillip Rivers is a check-down monster. He targeted Austin Eckler 104 times last year in the passing attack, Melvin Gordon 54, and I know Hines was going to have a role, but I think Jonathan Taylor in the fourth round is somebody that you can draft, and he could help propel you to a fantasy championship, especially if Marlon Mack just falls out of favor. Look at that offensive line they have. I mean, they have such a talented, run-based kind of offense, and Taylor drafted him. They targeted him for a reason. I think that could definitely pay dividends for you. As for the Jacksonville Jaguars, went with wide receiver LaVisca Chenault Jr., ADP 226. They ship Leonard Fournette out of town. They have Divine Zigbo. They have Raquel Armstead. They have Chris Thompson there. But you draft Chenault in the second round. And I this is one of those things where if you draft him, I think you're going to end up cutting him because I don't know how long it will take for him to break out. But I think some point in the season, he's going to be like a Debo Samuel was last year because he's kind of built like that too. He can be used as a running back. He was at Colorado. He can be used as a wide receiver. That's his position. And I think someone like Chenault and Jay Gruden, who's their offensive coordinator, coordinator now is going to put someone like Chenault in a position to have success and I kind of like that pairing right there I like the way that they can use him in a more creative fashion something a little bit more unconventional sort of like I said before something a little bit of the ilk of Debo Samuel again you draft Chenault doesn't go off in week one against the Colts you might end up cutting him, but he's somebody I think at some point this season will have value. And then for the Tennessee Titans, I don't love this. I like a lot more tight ends than Johnny Smith, but his ADP is at 158. He's probably going to be the second, maybe the third receiving option on a limited passing offense. The passing attack is going to run through A.J. Brown because he's an absolute stud. I think Corey Davis will still be the number two option there. Don't love this. I like a lot more tight ends than this. We already went over on this podcast, but this offense behind Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown isn't all that sexy, so he earned that spot. So that is the best value for every team relative to their ADP. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Please rate, subscribe, review this podcast on whatever platform that you're listening in on, and please have a lovely day.